I would work extra hard to do everything right as if it somehow would like all those right things that I would do moving forward would somehow negate that one bad choice that I had made. Welcome to the Crucible Project podcast. The Crucible Project is a nonprofit organization committed to creating a world of men and women who live with integrity, grace, and courage, helping them to fulfill their God-given purpose. This podcast will discuss important and sometimes difficult topics while delivering practical life applications with men and women who are currently practicing this work. We are igniting Christ-like change in men and women through experiences of radical honesty and grace. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crucible Podcast. My name is Andy Spell, and I will be your host today. And today I'm excited to have John Owen with us. John Owen is in the Houston community. Uh, He is a leader here. He is a weekend community leader. Uh, He is a pastor of a church and runs his own business. This is a man of many talents with many hats. I'm excited to have him here with me today. So, John, welcome. Hey, thanks, Andy. I'm glad to be here. So, John, if you would, please tell me. It's going to be hard for me to call you John because I call you Johnny. So if I go back and forth, folks, I know him as Johnny O, not as John. So it'll go back and forth. So you'll know I'm talking to the same man here. Uh, So, Johnny, tell us a little bit about yourself, please, sir. Uh, Well, as you mentioned, um, I'm a pastor and leader here and leader in the Crucible community. Um, but also a pastor and leader at my church, uh, The Brook and Tomball. And coming up on 22 years of marriage with my lovely wife, Michelle, in in November. And then we have two teenage kids, Hannah, who is 17, and Luke, who is 15. And we were just talking this morning about how blessed we are with our kids. Not because of anything we've done or the job that we've done as parents, but just, gosh, how just how blessed we are. God's blessed us with these two good kids and well-rounded and mature. And we've been here in Houston for a long time and we love it. All right. So um, what led you to deciding to go on a crucible weekend? Oh man. Um, I think the catalyst was, was in May of 2008 when my son was born. Yeah, I think God was already working on me, working on my heart and revealing some things to me that that weren't right. You know, that just just areas of growth for me as a man. But that really got amplified after our son was born, because then I started to you know, I knew I had to raise him to be a man. I had prayed for a boy. I wanted a boy so bad. And after he came, I was like, uh oh. I got to raise him to be a man and like to be a good man and and the man God designed him to be, purposed him to be. And then I, that caused me to begin questioning my own manhood and who am I? Am I the man God called me to be? And, you know, and, and what does that look like in my life? And of course, I thought I was beating myself up pretty bad. I thought, you know, no, I was pointing out all the things in my life that weren't right. And so... It was that period of several months where um, I reached out to another man, a mentor, and asked him if he would, you know, mentor me. And a couple of months into that, he mentioned, hey, there's this men's weekend coming up. They've got a few spots left. What do you think? And I was like, man, sign me up. Like, I was just ready. I just had a, 
a heart posture of, man, God's already doing something in me and, and I'm open to whatever it is that he's got for me. And I felt like that was, that retreat was an opportunity for me to go and explore that. Man, perfect timing, perfect place, perfect invitation, all at the same time led you to go on the weekend. You know, you said you were beating yourself up and and questioning, you know, am I a good man or will I be a good father? And I'm probably putting words in your mouth, but something like that. And what do you think in you leading up to the weekend made you beat yourself up? What were some of the messages or the lies that maybe the enemy was telling you? What were some ways that you felt like maybe you were coming up short that made you nervous about having this young man, young boy in your house? Well, there were, you know, God bless my wife, Michelle. I love her. And she helps, I think the Lord uses her to, to sharpen me. The Lord uses her to help reveal things in me. And I was very career focused at that time in my life. I was in my mid thirties and I had my own business and I was very focused on my career and, and, and focused on success and chasing success really. And, and for me at that time, success looked a lot like money. You know, I was chasing financial success and I bordered on workaholism that I would put work above my family. And here I had, you know, a wife and a toddler and a newborn. And I was putting a lot of that on her just a lot of the a lot of the family responsibility on her and so she she would remind me of that you know she would make me aware of it and would remind me of that and so i was you know i was getting some of that from her but it was also me just uh so i was i i'm an addict and at the time i was uh i was smoking a lot of of marijuana and the story that I told myself was I just, I just need to take the edge off. You know, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I'm feeling a lot of stress. I'm feeling, you know, I'm hearing all this noise and I'm hearing the, the voices of you're not, you're not good enough. You're not successful enough. You're not making enough money. You're not being a good husband. You're not sharing the, the load enough with your wife. And, and so I'd go out to the garage and, and smoke some weed just to kind of, chill out and take the edge off of those feelings and those messages kind of numb that stuff out. And, and I knew that was not healthy. I wasn't allowing myself to feel I was medicating, you know, and I wasn't leaning into the tough conversations and the, and the tough choices. I was avoiding them. Those were some of the voices and messages I was hearing. And those are some of the behavior patterns I was, I was stuck in. Yeah. I think John, you know, you're talking about you know, the workaholism, the bordering on that, you know, one of my deep regrets, and I didn't do uh, Crucible till my mid 40s, was man, in my 20s and 30s, and even in my early 40s, I was a pastor too of a church at the time. And man, success was everything. So working long hours and work was everything and, and making sure that I had success at work and my family seemed happy. And I just missed I think some of the signs that they needed me more than I realized. And, you know, I can't go back and make that up. I try to love them better now, but man, success was everything. And I thought that's how I could prove myself as a man, that if I was successful, I'll have, 
you know, success here on earth and everybody will see me as a good man of God and a good man. And it's a, it's a difficult uh, place to be, I think, for men as a whole and maybe for women. But I know I can only speak for men or for myself that uh, being successful was important to me. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And hearing you. Yeah. Hearing you respond to that is is very I connect very much with what you're saying. It was definitely I think it is a part of our identity as men mistakenly. Uh, we get it twisted and we wrap our identity up in what we do uh, versus in who we are. And so there was definitely, I, I have that going on. That's definitely a pattern that goes on in my life. But I, I think back to those years and from the outside looking in, I think I did look successful to a lot of people. I think, I think on the surface, I mean, I looked like I had it all put together. I had a beautiful young wife. I had two beautiful, healthy children. We had the house, we had the two cars and really all appearances said, we, we got it all together and we're doing great. It, but it, it was just a facade, you know, I mean, underneath the surface, there were cracks and they were, they were beginning to show themselves. 100%, man. I, I relate to that big time. Uh, And I would sweep, and so I think we do turn, or we, I think, as you said, you turn to medicating in some way, uh, addicts uh, to, uh, or addicted to something that helps take the edge off because we see the cracks. And I think the world, or at least it told me, or I told myself, just take the edge off and the crack will go away and I won't have to deal with it. I'll kick the can down the road, but the crack is still there in the foundation for sure. So um, when you got on your weekend, what did you realize that you needed to work on and needed to uncover in your life? Yeah, great question. And it and the way you worded it is just right. Because for me, it wasn't until I was on my weekend or not quite halfway into the experience that I really did realize why I was there. Um, I knew, as I said before, God was already working on me. And I felt like this was, like you said, it was just perfect timing right place, right time. But I went with this, with, with open hands, like, okay, God, what do you have for me? But I didn't really know what it was until day two. Um, I was just overcome with revelation that, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. And it was guilt and shame, deep seated guilt and shame that you know, really had started from childhood wounds, I think, and childhood traumas. And I stuffed it and repressed it. Uh, But then as a young man in my early 20s, I made some choices. And I I did some things that um, that wounded me very deeply. So self inflicted wounds layered on top of pre existing wounds. And it just it just created a, a firestorm within me. And I and I, I hid it, you know, because appearances were important to me and what people believed about me was it was important to me. And so it was like, if they know that about me, then my whole this whole facade that I got going just comes crashing down. And so I did everything I could to stuff the guilt and shame for about 16 years until um, I had almost forgotten about it. I had buried it so deeply. And then on day two of my weekend, God revealed that he brought it back to the surface. He's like, Hey, you, you know, 
you remember that thing? <laughs> He's like, we, we probably need to talk about that. We probably need to deal with that. And so, man, it was still to this day, one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. Just the, just the revelation of like, oh yeah, that thing, that one thing that I don't want anyone to know about me, it's still there. And I need to, I need to wrestle with God about it. Yeah. And so that one thing, even though you had almost forgotten it or you had stuffed it so deeply, so, so far down that it was almost hidden from your conscience or, or hidden from you. Do you think that part of that was still the drive to be successful and to work hard and to medicate? I mean, was oh, that yeah. hidden thing causing you to act in some ways? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was, I've, I've even, I've used this language before where I said, like I took such a wrong turn in my early twenties and I committed this unforgivable act in my own mind. Like I made an agreement with myself in that moment that I would never do that or anything like that again. And not only that, but I would work extra hard to do everything right as if it somehow would like all those right things that I would do moving forward would somehow negate that one bad choice that I had made. And so absolutely, it drove me that chase, that pursuit of success was very much rooted in that new agreement that I made with myself to, to be different and to do things differently. So, yeah. And so instead of trying to do everything right, from now on, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to pull myself up and we're, I'm just going to be the perfect dude. I'm going to do it all right. It's going to be good. What did you need around that very thing in your life and some of the wounds from your childhood? What did you need? At the core, I just wanted to be loved and accepted for who I was. Uh, I wanted to be, even with all of my flaws and with the bad choices that I had made, the mistakes that I had made, I just wanted to be forgiven, accepted, loved. And ultimately, I wanted to be free from the guilt and shame. And But yeah, love, acceptance, forgiveness. So on that weekend, on that weekend, when, when you got to wrestle with this thing, when you got to wrestle with it, when you got it out there, uh, and probably other things around that sense, did you find that love? Did you find that acceptance? So did you find grace? What what did that look like? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I think one of the most impactful things on the weekend was to know that that I was not alone. Um, so it was the community. I mean, I was on this weekend with a community of men who were prior to that weekend, for the most part, were complete strangers to me. And I mean, there were a handful of men from the Houston area that that were on the weekend, we try, you know, we caravaned up together. And so I, I knew them at some level, but not very deeply. And we, we weren't in deep relationship or doing life together really. But on this weekend, I found myself in a community of men that they saw me even in my darkness, even with the, the deep truths that I brought and they accepted me. They allowed me, they gave me space to hold my head up high, to look them in the eye, look them face to face in the eye, and for them to be able to demonstrate that they truly saw me, all of me, and accepted me. And that was so powerful. I mean, I'll never forget that. And I, I had grown up in church and I, man, I was the 
I was the Bible drill kid, you know, I could memorize and quote scripture and I could give you all the Sunday school answers, <laughs> things I knew about the gospel. I, I knew what the gospel was. I knew what grace was intellectually, but for the first time in my life on that weekend, I experienced grace, like at a core level, like in my soul, I felt it just rain over me. And it, for the first time I made, I, I made a, a head to heart connection where it's like, I know intellectually what grace is, but it got down into my heart that, that weekend. And, um, yeah. And I think it opened something up for me. It opened up, it, it removed a block. I was blocking the flow of God's grace in my life because of the guilt and the shame and all the stories I put uh, in the way. And and so since that weekend, I've been able to live in that in that grace, to live in those new mercies every morning. And so it's, yeah. it's been a game changer for the way I do life and the way I start my days now. And, and one of your fears, if, if anybody knows this, if anybody finds out, you know, everything's going to come crashing down. And I don't know what that meant for you, but I don't know if that meant you felt like loss of relationship or or what all was entailed in that, or at least uh, a loss of respect or, you know, whatever that was. And did any of that happen when you revealed this, when you talked about it? Did you lose anything or did you actually gain something? when you finally spoke it and got it out there? No, I didn't lose anything. I, I think, yeah, I was most afraid of losing relationship, probably first and foremost with my wife. So on this weekend, I opened up and I confessed this thing for the first time in 16 years into a community of men. But these, like I said, these are men who were mostly complete strangers to me at the time. Ultimately, I knew I needed to go home and confess this to my wife. And so I was terrified of that. Even after experiencing the grace on the weekend and the acceptance on the weekend, there was still that fear of coming home and losing relationship with my wife. It took me about almost a month, probably three plus weeks to work up the courage to have that conversation with her and share with her. And in both cases, on the weekend with those men and at, and at home with my wife, they moved toward me. Um, rather than move away from me. And yeah. they showed acceptance and love and grace. And that was, I experienced grace through other people. I just, uh, yeah, I can't really even put, put words to it, how powerful it was for me. And I think what I'm frustrated with, John, is that I think the enemy, especially for those of us who grew up in the church, I think the enemy somehow comes in and tells us that if people know this about us, that somehow that's going to end relationship, or I think the enemy gets in our in our heads and tells us that we can't be transparent and we can't be open. And I think on this weekend, what I learned, and I, and I'm hearing what you learned, is that openness and transparency actually drew you towards people, drew you towards God, drew you to yourself, and made you a better man because this weight was no longer holding you back. This thing that I think the enemy wants to use to separate us from ourselves, from God, from others, that thing's gone. And so now we can move into healing and into the men we want to be. So when you left that weekend, what did you leave with? Big, the biggest thing was just freedom. Uh, I Freedom from the guilt and the shame that had just wreaked havoc in my life for the better part of 20 years. I left with peace. Yeah, I left with peace, feeling like I didn't, 
I didn't need to medicate. Like I was able to, I was able to come home. I was able to give up all of my medications and all the ways that I numbed out uh, coping mechanisms. I was able to give those up and gosh, community. I left, you know, like they, those men, they started out as complete strangers to me, but I had a new circle, a new community of men who saw me fully and, and loved me and accepted me. And so, yeah. And, and I left with tools, healthy tools to help me process through my emotions and things. And so that I didn't need, that was the, the thing I got to replace the, the numbing agents and the medications that I, you know, the coping mechanisms with actual tools that allow me to process and, and feel my emotions and, have conversations with the Lord about them and, and have conversations with other, other men and that, you know, and from that community. And it just, and did you know you needed any of that going into the weekend? (laughs) I couldn't articulate it. No. Right. Man, how awesome. And so you've been in this work for 15 years. What else have you learned through the 15 years uh, of staying in this work, staying in soul work, uh, keeping looking at yourself, uh, you know, going down, you know, like an onion, peeling back more and more and more. What are a couple of other things in those 15 years that you feel like this work has helped you learn about yourself, about others, about your leadership? And how has that helped you? Uh, one of the things that I know is you transitioned to uh, full-time ministry at your church mm-hmm. during this time. And there've been some transitions. You had to go through COVID. What are some of the other changes that have happened that this work has actually helped you with and what you've learned from it that's helped you make those transitions? Yeah. So probably the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways was that, like you said, this is, this is a lifelong journey. This is, um, you talked about continuing the work and continuing to peel back those, the layers of the onion and discover new things about myself like that. It was like that. I, you know, I was able to experience grace and healing in a in a deep wounded place in my life, but that wasn't the only area in my life that needed healing. You know, that was just kind of the the big one. And but once once I began to to heal in that area, as I continued to look in the mirror every single day, as I continued to circle up in community with those men and in authentic community with really with loving relational accountability, truth and grace. Like I, again, you know, the, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Like I had men who I loved and trusted and I believed that they loved me. They had proven that to me. And so I allowed them to speak truth into my life and allowed them as I continued to walk with them, allowed them to continue to, to help sharpen me and point out things in me that it's a lifelong journey and that I've got to wake up every day and look in the mirror and and ask God, who do you want me to be today? What do you want me to do today? And, and be willing to do those things. Cause in going into ministry, y'all went through, I mean, your church went through some tough times. That, that journey of healing, you know, that, that looking in the mirror every day, that um, it was a journey of learning to love myself. You know, and I and I know that it can seem like a contradiction because in on the one hand, scripture says to love your neighbor as yourself, you know, and so you've got to love yourself right on. first. But then also 
the gospel is to die to self, you know, to die is gain and to live is Christ. So I had to learn to love myself and, and extend grace and acceptance to myself. And then in doing that, I began to recognize some of my strengths, uh, as a leader. Um, I had mentors pointing out to me, you know, my pastoral heart for other men. And that led me to begin praying about, you know, a call to ministry. Fast forward to 2018, I, I answered that call and, um, became a pastor here at my church. And then, yeah, in 2020, the pandemic hit and everything went haywire and crazy. And so I'm, I was just starting a, you know, a pastoral leadership journey when all of that came about. I think a lot of the tools that I gained through soul work and through my crucible community, I would say definitely helped me through those times. Getting to see the impact of, of COVID on ministry from the, from the church perspective, like on the church side, and also in the crucible project in this, in this parachurch ministry that comes alongside the church. Like I got to see the, the effects of COVID on both and, and walk through both at the same time. And so it, it did feel very heavy and feel very challenging, but I think that the tools and the, the skills that, that I had gained from my soul care journey helped me help me have a mature perspective about yeah. it and and help me realize that it wasn't like it wasn't all on me you know i didn't have i didn't have all the weight on my shoulders and how did you face the dark days cuz i know in the middle of covid and other times y'all had some staff members leave you know it was it was not easy what what kept you going what kept you moving forward what was it that, you know, many times when things get tough, people cut and run, but you stayed. What made you stay? I believe I have a call on my life to ministry. I believe I have a call. Like, I, I believe this is a divine calling from the Lord. Once I was able to discern that for myself and, and believe that to be true, like for me, I can't say no. I can't cut and run because this is... This is what God has designed me to do and purposed me to do. I mean, as a pastor, you're definitely familiar, but our listeners may be familiar with the story of Jonah. Uh, and God asked him to go to Nineveh and he didn't want to go. He hated the Ninevites and he didn't want to go. And so he cut and ran yeah. and look what happened to him. He ended up in the belly of a whale. So I joke, but I'm serious. Like, I don't want to end up in the belly of a whale. And, and I do believe that this is God's purpose for my life and his call on my heart. And so yeah. that, the reason I stay really, that's at the core of it. But my, my soul care journey and uh, my self, my journey to self-awareness and to owning the dark, the truths about myself, even the dark parts of myself and fully knowing and fully loving myself as God sees me, like those are the things that, that sustain me and that keep me coming back and, you know, keep me fighting the good fight day after day. And yeah, we've been through a lot of transition. We've, I've been here on staff for a long time. I've been a pastor now for a number of years, and I've seen a lot of seasons, COVID season, staff transitions, people leaving, families leaving the church. I've lost relationship with some of those families and friends. And, and although that cuts and it hurts my flesh, it hurts me. In, you know, in that way, 
I just believe that the that this journey that I've been on and the tools that I've gotten have helped get me through and leaning on the Lord, just leaning on my calling, understanding that that he's called me to something that is much bigger and greater than I can even really grasp or understand. And and so it causes total dependence on him, dependence on him and, and leaning on my community, you know, leaning on my brothers, my Redwood brothers and sisters. Yeah. And what are some of the fruit? I mean, I know y'all have experienced this, but this is kind of cool. What's some of the fruit of you staying, especially at your church? Uh, you know, what happened since then? I know a couple about about a year ago. Our lead lead pastor, founding pastor resigned very abruptly during COVID. And then after a, a 10 month pastor search, we hired a new lead pastor. And then he left very abruptly, resigned very abruptly, just, just 10 months after he was brought here. That really shook you know, we were, that shook us up that we were, we were already fractured from some staff turnover, contentious staff turnover, then the pandemic on top of that, and then trying to build back from the pandemic and, and then having another resignation unexpected like that, it it really fractured us. And the leaders here at that time, we circled up and we prayed and we, we wondered, was God closing our doors? Was he, you know, was, was the work done here and was he going to essentially remove our lampstand, you know, or had we done something wrong? Had we done something as a, as a part of the larger church? Had we, had we made mistakes and, and we were going to be shut down kind of a thing, but we prayed through that. We stayed the course um, because of my growth and, and, and all through crucible uh, I was asked to, a significant part of that transition, that season, I chose to to lean into that. But it wasn't just me. There were there were others here, um, and we just l- linked shields and locked arms and bowed our heads in prayer and did the next right thing that we felt like God was asking us to do. And He has blessed us immensely. We hired a new lead pastor, but when we hired him, we not only got him, but we got his congregation. He was leading a church plant and they were meeting in a school about eight miles from here. And so the Lord brought that whole family over here and they merged with our family. And so we became a united family, two churches uniting as one. And although we've had some growing pains, you know, associated with that, for the most part, it has been without incident. It has been just a beautiful union. We've seen just a, a miraculous move of God in our church and in the body here. We've had more people come to Jesus and, and be baptized in the last year than, gosh, probably the last five years combined. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing to see and to be a part of and to be, to be on this side of it and to actually look back and, and say, wow, man, look what God has done. Like he's brought us through. Uh, yeah, it's been amazing to be a part of. That's beautiful. So if there is a man or a woman listening to this podcast, or there are men and women listening to this podcast, that may not have done a weekend. And they may say, man, I don't know that I need it. I'm not sure. You know, it sounds like he had something wrong in his life or whatever. What encouragement would you give to someone listening that's wondering whether they need a weekend like this or not, or should even consider one? What would you say? Well, after my initial weekend experience in 2009, I said, the Sunday of, I said, every man I know needs to experience this. And at the time, it was just a men's ministry at the time. 
Um, I mean, I think it was in the organization's long range planning that they were going to launch a women's ministry and launch women's work. But I remember saying out loud to some of the men who I was riding home with, like every man I know, I want him to experience what I just experienced or something like it. And so I think no matter where you are in life, I mean, I, I know so many men who've gone who it's, you know, the they're like, you know, I'm good. God and me are good. My, you know, my life with the Lord is good. My spiritual walk is good. My marriage is good. You know, I, I feel like I'm living in mission and, and living in my divine calling. And, and I would even say to those men, like God has something for you. Like if you could go up on the top of a mountain and encounter the living God, regardless of whether you had things wrong in your life or not, like, would you take that opportunity? I mean, I don't know anyone who would say no right. to that. And that's what this weekend offers to you is God will reveal himself to you. You will encounter him on this, on this weekend around whatever it is you've got in your life. And even if you think you've, your life is all buttoned up and put together well, I'd be willing to bet that there's something, there's something, you know, something that you may be have buried so deep or something in your unconscious and your subconscious that that God knows about and he's ready to meet you there and and work with you on it and and shower you with grace around it yeah my 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 belief is that everybody even if things are generally good in their lives that everybody's dealing with something you know everybody's fighting a battle of some sort everybody is stuck in some area of their life where they want something but they're stuck and they can't seem to get it. And I would encourage any man, any woman, regardless of how you're doing in your life, how you think you're doing in your life, take two and a half days and trust that God's going to meet you face to face and see what he has for you. Man, I agree. It did it for me. Uh, and I, I, I say the same thing. I think it's a great investment in ourselves uh, to get some freedom. And hey, men, women out there, if you are a pastor, especially for men, uh, we have pastors groups. So if you're listening to this and you're an initiated man and you happen to hear this and you want some support, we've got groups for you. So I just want to throw that in. All right, dude, thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Andy. You too. For more information about our weekends, please go to thecrucibleproject.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Rate and review wherever you are listening and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Also, don't forget to check out myjourneyto.com for your free two-week trial. That's myjourneyto.com. Thank you for listening.